Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. How does an innocent teen meet her demise in the most dreadful of places? She hadn't done anything to deserve what happened to her. A secret crush is suspicious. Let's get in the swimming pool. We know you want to have sex with her. Until new horrifying cases emerge. There was a group of guys that were picking up girls and taking them out in the woods. Will the swamp ever give up the truth? What? Damn it, unbelievable. It'll take 40 years. You raped and killed a 14-year-old girl. Back in the 1970s, kids in western Florida thought nothing of running around freely in the miles and miles of low-lying swamps and orange groves. It was not off-limits to us to go out and play in the orange groves. There was a lot of mosquitoes, snakes. And on nights when there's nothing better to do, high school kids would gather in the remote marshes, far from the prying eyes of adults. You could drink your beer and not get caught. Uh, you could bring your girlfriend out there in a car, and it's hard to find you. It's hard to hear you. But the dense groves and swampy inlets can hide more than a party. It's Friday, August 6, 1971, in the sleepy subdivision of town and country just outside of Tampa. Six weeks ago, the Justy family moved down here from Saugerties, New York, to be closer to Ken. Even though that we had come from a small town, it didn't seem that much different. We considered it a safe neighborhood. 19-year-old Tony Jr. is the oldest of six kids. Sometimes the house can feel like a shoebox full of squirrels. Hey, Gina, not funny, get it back. That's enough. Gina, Tony's got to get to work. You're her dad. Get back. Thank you. Gina, who's five years younger. Jim, sister Marion, and the youngest was Terry, who was born in 1962. Why don't you put these legs to work and go get me another soda? Thank you. Sure, Dad. <laughs> Their dad, Tony Sr., is on disability pay and stays home most days. 
My father, when he was injured in the war, he had damage to his eye. So after 1968, he didn't have to work. To help make ends meet, Tony Jr. has landed a job building fences. See you later, Tony. Bye, Dad. Their mom, Virginia Justy, works part-time at a tire shop. Oh, I gotta go. So 14-year-old Gina often is in charge of minding the young'uns and doing chores around the house. Gina, yeah. I need you to finish the laundry for me, okay? All right, I will. Be home by supper. All right. Marion needs her jeans hemmed. The chores that she had never bothered her. She was just a very happy kid. There was a deep love between Gina and all of her siblings. So where are you headed? Just to go see some puppies. Puppies? Yeah. On this August day, after fixing up her younger sister's bell bottoms, Gina says she wants to go meet up with some friends. What time is it? Three. Only be a few hours. Okay. Just make sure you're home by six. Help your mom with supper, okay? Yeah. I right, love you. Love you too. Have fun. Thank you. Hey guys. Hey. What's going on? <clears throat> Haven't heard from Gina. When Virginia gets home from work around six, Gina still hasn't returned, and that never happens. She should be back. She told her dad she was going to Rocky Creek, a neighborhood a couple miles away. But exactly where or with whom is anyone's guess. So Virginia starts by calling Gina's best friend, Teresa Carey. You were expected to be home at dinner time. And if you weren't going to be home at dinner time, for whatever reason, you called. Teresa, hi, it's Mrs. Justy. Did you see Gina today? Your initial reaction is that you're oh. angry at the kid. Where is she? What is she doing? Why isn't she coming home? Yeah, thanks. An hour passes, and then another, and still no Gina. None of her friends have heard from her, so Tony Sr.'s next call is to police. Yes, yes, I need to report my daughter. She's missing. Uh, she's 14 years old, brown hair, shorts. Um, she was wearing jean shorts in a, a, a tan shirt. What? No, no, she wasn't mad. She's, she's fine. We're all fine. She's just never done this before. The reaction from the police was, she's a teenage girl, wait till the morning and then call us back again. But at sunrise, Gina has yet to darken their doorway. Virginia Justy calls police again, now panicked. No, no, Detective Hoffman. This is ridiculous. She's out there somewhere. She didn't just run off. It's not like her. Please send somebody out here to find Gina, please. Thank you. She loved being around her family, so. Her running away, we never considered that as a possibility. Around 5 p.m. that day, 20 miles to the west of the Justies, Stanley Jackson is finishing up a sun-scorched day of work at a commercial orange grove. It's just about quitting time when Stanley spots something odd in a muddy clearing. Hey, boss, can, can you send someone down here? I'll call the cops. I think it's a, there's a body. It's a, it looks like a dead girl just laying here. Are you sure? I'm looking right at it. 
Responding to the scene, Pinellas County Detective Robert Somers and his partner make their way through the sludge. She can't be more than 16 or 17. She was dumped there, lying face down. The legs were kind of spread apart. Oh, boy, this wound. You could see the decomposition starting to form, basically her face being in an ant pile. She had bug bites all, uh, all over her body. Um, the body was somewhat bloated uh, from being out in the heat. This punctured wound, about two inches wide or so. Yeah. Like that. Like, look here, you see some ligature markings here. Yeah, bruises on her arms. It was a horrific murder. Her back showed a sign of a puncture wound, and I think she was killed where she was found. There's no ID on the victim, and deputies find no obvious evidence that points to the killer. The sooner we get to the, get her to the ME, the sooner we can figure out what caused these wounds. And I'll talk to the witness to see if there's anything else he remembers. Let's get that taken care of ASAP. Roger that. Back at the lab, an autopsy on their Jane Doe confirms the detective's initial suspicions. That posterior wound looks bad, but turned out it wasn't caused by a bullet, more like she was struck by a tire iron. I'm going to rule cause of death as strangulation. Any signs of sexual assault? The fact that she was found dumped somewhere and she had some vaginal bleeding led them to believe she had been raped. They're semen. Investigators check the records, but there are no reports of missing teenage girls that match their Jane Doe, at least not in this county. Detective Somers calls over to the neighboring Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office. Yeah, hi, this is Detective Somers with the Pinellas County Sheriff's Department. Yeah, we have a homicide victim, white female, five foot four, 140 pounds, blue eyes, and long brown hair. And she's young, she's really young. Yeah, that's right. Uh, cut off short. Got it. Thank you so much. I've got an ID. Gina's description matches their Jane Doe exactly. So Detective Somers heads straight over to the Justice home for verification. It was about one or one o'clock in the morning that there was a knock on the door. And it was a couple of officers from the Sheriff's Department who came. They had pretty much confirmed that that it was her that they had found. Mr. and Mrs. Justy, I need you to come down to the Pinellas County Morgue. <clears throat> we think your daughter's been- No! No, my Gina, no! <laughs> it's not true, no, it's not true! I'm sorry. My mother was crying pretty hard when she, when she got the news. They blame themselves for moving to Florida and, ha and having this happen. Pinellas County detectives are determined to catch this killer. How did a young teen walk out her front door and somehow wind up 20 miles away in the boggy shallows of an orange grove? Tire iron. Maybe a knife. The location is almost directly to the west of where she lived. It's clear that she was driven there. She didn't walk. Who would be so evil as to do this, and why? In most homicide cases, the suspect is usually a family member, somebody that's very close. 
to the victim. You want to separate the children to say, listen, is there something that you didn't want to say in front of the parents that you knew about uh, that now you want to you know, relate to us and that type of thing? And that means starting with the oldest Justy sibling. Tony Jr., can I speak with you for a moment? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. On a scorching midsummer day in 1971, the body of 14-year-old Gina Marie Justy is pulled out of a snake-infested orange grove 20 miles west of her home in suburban Tampa, Florida. We weren't used to this. We didn't have a lot of murders. Nothing like the Gina Justy murder. Uh, it was looked at as being diabolical. Hard to believe it was a random sexual assault and murder. Gina's injuries are brutal, and strangulation is usually a crime of intense personal emotion. It's what we call a frenzy killing. It isn't a quick way of killing somebody. It is a slower way, as if to say, you're getting this because I hate you. The day after Gina's body is found, 
Detective Somers sits down with Gina's oldest brother, Tony Jr. How was your relationship with her? Did you fight a lot? Did you get along? I love my sister, yes. We fall like any other siblings would, but yeah, I, I would not do anything to hurt her. Where were you yesterday? I was at work. It's like I am every day. It's out painting fences. Is there someone that can vouch for your whereabouts that you were there? Yes, sir. I need some names. It was unreal. It made us angry to be considered suspects because we knew that we were not involved in it. It doesn't take long for detectives to confirm Tony's sure. alibi. He was sure. working the whole day. But there's another angle they need to check, and quick. According to Tony Sr., Gina said she was heading out with friends to look at some puppies. Trouble is, no one seems to know where the owner of the puppies lives. She just went to look at the puppies. She said she was going to look at puppies. There wasn't a name or a, an address or somewhere that she was going that, that we could have gone and checked to find out where she had been. Just a couple more questions. Does she have a boyfriend? No. No. Is it all right if I take a look at your daughter's bedroom? Sure, it's, it's right there. Next to her bed, Detective Somers finds a diary and some letters. Perhaps the mystery of who killed Gina is buried somewhere in these pages. Detective, I think I might know where Gina might have went. Whose number is this? Some kid named Roddy. I, I don't Roddy, what's the last name? I have no clue. I just found it. Yes, sir. This will help. Okay. The next day, detectives check with Gina's friends and get a lead on the guy who was giving away puppies. His name is Roddy Godier. Roddy. Uh, yeah. Detective Summers. Okay. It's a cute puppy you have there. Thank you. Investigating the disappearance of Gina Justy. She was stopped here a few days ago to buy a puppy? Uh, yeah, she was. Yeah, she never made it, did she? No. She was murdered. Uh, I'm s what? Whoa. Wow. Can you tell me how you know Gina? Uh, I don't. I didn't. I mean, she's friend of a friend. I mean, I just knew that she wanted to take a look at some puppies. Detectives search the Godier's house. There's no evidence Gina was ever there, or any signs of an attack or a struggle. Just puppies. But police have more names to check. Though Gina was new in town, she'd already made a small circle of friends, like 14-year-old Teresa Carey. I just saw her not two days ago. I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> what can you tell me about Gina? Do you like her? Yeah, she was nice. Yeah, we clicked immediately. She was really sweet. I don't understand why this is happening. Teresa was probably Gina's best friend. They would go to boys' houses together. Um, they would spend the night together, all things that were typical of 14-year-old girls. Now tell me the truth. 
Won't you be true now? Were there any boys that she had her eyes on? Not really. I mean, we hang out with guys. Like the Jones brothers, Dale and Art. Tell me more about Dale and Art Jones. Does she like either one of them in particular? Dale and Art Jones, they were a little older. They lived in the area, and Gina had a crush on both of them. As detectives talked to more of her friends, they learned that Gina had been spending a lot of time in particular with 17-year-old Dale, and Teresa wasn't thrilled about it. I'm tired of tanning. Let's get in the pool. Maybe later. Come on, let's go for a swim. Stop, stop. Get a room. We're just messing around. Detective Somers wonders if Gina's interest in boys had been stronger than her parents knew. Perhaps her diary might tell him more. Dale Jones really likes me. Teresa is sure of it. I think he wants to go all the way. I don't know if I'm ready. Reading between the lines, it looks possible that Gina might have gotten herself into a dangerous and possibly violent relationship. Maybe Dale wanted to have sex with her. She said no. Um, they struggled. Something happened. He ended up killing her. Dale has a car after all, and he knows where Gina lives. Is it possible Gina wasn't being quite truthful with her daddy when she said she was going to see puppies? Hey, Gina. There you are. Was she meeting up with Dale instead? Hey, let me help you up. <laughs> Thanks. Where are you skating off to today, huh? Just headed to the park. Park? Forget the park. Why don't I go get my car and then uh, and we can go to the Groves, huh? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. All right. See you in a second. Police decide to bring in Dale Jones for questioning. What was your relationship with Gina Justy? We were just friends, that's all. That's all. It's amazing what a little girl's diary will say. Detective Somers has found evidence in the teenager's diary and letters from a girlfriend back in New York that suggests she'd been recently resisting the advances of an older boy. We know you wanted to have sex with her. She was 14, Dale. 14 years old. I didn't do nothing, man. And when you asked her what she did in the shower, what were you going to do with that information? Just keep it for later, put it in your hip pocket? I don't know, man. We were just fooling around. Dale confirms that Gina may have had a bit of a secret life her family didn't know about, but he won't give up a confession. Were you just fooling around and you decided to take a little bit further? And then she said no. And you got angry. And then you raped her, strangled her, and you left her body to rot. Then I didn't rape nobody! You want me to take a lie detector test? I'll take one. Dale does submit to a polygraph, but the results are not what they expect. Dale Jones passed a polygraph, so that avenue was closed. They were looking in the wrong place. They needed to expand their investigation and look elsewhere. Still, there's nowhere obvious to look. We're done here. In an era before CSI labs and DNA testing, there's little else to go on. 
Several months later, detectives learn about a rash of sexual assaults involving young men from a high school 20 minutes away. I think I've got something. What you got? Have you ever heard of the Boat Ranch Gang? There was a group of guys that were running around basically picking up girls and taking them out in the woods and raping them. So that was a very viable lead. Okay, look. Woo! Can you guys just take me to go get some gas? Yeah, come on, little girl. Hop on in. Gina was the new girl in town. Could that have made her an easy target for these predators? Boot Ranch is less than five miles from where Gina's body was found. There was a certain type of feeling on the part of law enforcement that, yeah, that it's possible they could fit this. The problem is, none of the Boot Ranch gang rapes are being reported by the victims themselves. Here's another complaint from a parent. Are they pressing charges? No. She doesn't want anyone to know. A lot of the younger girls would think it was their own fault. The police knew what was going on, but they, they didn't have enough to charge anybody. With no witnesses or official statements from victims, there's not much they can do. By the time December rolls around, five months after Gina's murder, her case is as cold as night in the swampy groves. The public wanted that case solved as well as the family, and I know the police wanted to solve it, too. Two years pass. Then, in January 1974, detectives finally get a fresh lead. We had somebody that was in our county jail that said he wanted to talk to the police about the Gina Justy murder. District Attorney Dennis DeVlaming meets with Lee Diamond, who's being held on a theft charge, to see if there's anything to his claims. So... I hear you want to share with us what you know about the Gina Justy murder. Yeah, that's right. So let's hear it. Lee Diamond is originally from Canada, came down here to Florida, was uh, going to Clearwater High School at the time. More importantly, he used to hang around with the Boot Ranch gang. He said, if you release me, I will agree to tell you everything I know. And I said, well, the release will be forthcoming after you provide the information. Well, um, we were just driving around like we normally do. And Wait, who's we? It's me and Marcus. So we were just driving around, and he was just talking about just the murder, talking about how he uh, took that girl out past the Boost Ranch to have some fun. Don't waste my time. Everything you've told me has been in the papers for the last two and a half years. Yeah, I get it. There's more. He said that Mr. Donahue had picked up Miss Justy, they assaulted her sexually, and she made some statements that they were going, she was going to turn them in and get them for what they had done to her. Marcus told me he saw somebody hit her in the face and was choking her. Another guy hit her in the back and stabbed her in the back with a tire iron. A tire iron? Yeah, that's right. That detail gets the detective's attention. The possible use of a tire iron in Gina Justy's murder was never made public. Mr. Diamond described things that only the killer could have known. 
Police have long suspected that members of the Boot Ranch gang were involved with Gina Justy's murder, but they've had no evidence to prove it. Now they have a witness. Is Diamond's word enough to warrant an arrest for Marcus Donahue? Lee Diamond, you even told me a story of solid. Look, detective, I want the guys responsible for this to be locked up just as much as you do, but I've got to be sure it'll hold up in court. They had some tire tracks that they thought matched uh, or was similar to uh, one of their vehicles. I mean, it, it, there just wasn't any hard forensic evidence. Despite the shaky evidence, the DA moves forward with the case. What we decided to do was to make an arrest on the person that did most of the talking in that car. That person is 20-year-old Boot Ranch gang member Mark Donahue. Hopefully, if I could gain a conviction, he would flip and I could get everybody else that was involved in the murder. Based on Lee Diamond's jailhouse testimony, Mark Donahue is arrested on May 13th of 1974 and charged with the first-degree murder of Gina Marie Justy. I'm telling you, I had nothing to do with this. Lee Diamond's a damn liar. The DA's office spends six months preparing to go to trial. But before opening arguments ever begin, the prosecution takes a devastating hit. Dennis, we have a problem with our witness. Diamond? What are you talking about? He's gone. He fled the country to Canada. You're telling me our only witness and the key to this case has vanished? Yes, sir. I've got my men on it, but it doesn't look good. The judge asked me whether or not there was any prospect in getting him back in the near future. I said I did not have a prospect. Please, judge, could you just give us a little more time? We've got people looking for Diamond. Yes, sir. Florida had a constitutional right to a speedy trial. You had a right to be brought to trial within 180 days. If you were not brought to trial and you didn't waive that right, the charges were dismissed against you. With no other witnesses or evidence linking Mark Donahue to the crime, the state of Florida is forced to drop the charges. I understand. I believed that the people responsible for her murder had gotten away with it. I was not happy. We were convinced that he had done it, and all of us were very angry when he got released. And on the heels of that crushing blow, the Justy family is hit by yet another tragedy. My brother John was driving home from work. A young woman turned into his lane, and uh, he hit her head on. John Justy suffered critical injuries to his face and lungs and underwent countless surgeries over the next year. Then, one evening, Tony arrived home to find John on the couch in the same position he'd been in that morning. He had died in his sleep. So I had to call my parents and, and let them know that they had, they'd lost another child. John's dead, Mom. Oh. oh, no. After Mark Donahue's murder trial was scrapped, the accidental death of their son, John, proves too much for Gina's parents to bear. My parents ended up getting divorced, and I don't think it was you know, surprising that after living through that kind of a tragedy that it, it would just make you emotionally numb. Years turn into decades, and the Justy family all but gives up hope that Gina Marie's killer will ever be caught. 
in my father's mind. He had just learned to accept that Donahue had done it and he was going to get away with it. We weren't ever going to have positive proof of who had murdered my sister. Turns out, they will all be wrong. 23 years later, police are stunned when Gina Marie Justy's name pops up in the suicide note of a man she never knew, Robert Delora. Robert Delora went to Clearwater High School and was friends with the Boot Ranch gang. Although his suicide had nothing to do with Gina, he left a firecracker behind for Detective Thomas Klein, the man now running Pinellas County's cold case squad. Robert Delora left this note saying that he was upset that his friends were never held accountable for what they did, believing that they had actually killed Gina Justy. Detective Klein has to look into Delora's shocking claim. He digs back into the Justy case file. In 1997, technology had changed so much that I was hoping that we could make the case on DNA. And one piece of evidence in particular was Gina's panties were still there. It wasn't pristine, but it was, it was something. Hi, Detective Klein here. I got some evidence from a uh, 1971 case that I need a rush on a DNA test. As time goes on, your evidence starts to degrade. So you're trying to get that evidence to the lab, get them to examine it, and obviously try to get a DNA profile extracted from that. Hey, Klein here. Oh, that's great. Well, a partial profile is better than nothing. Any matches in the national database? Nothing? Okay, thanks. Without a match, the partial DNA profile can't tell him much. But Detective Klein is determined to track down the surviving former members of the Boot Ranch gang. I was going to find these boys, get blood samples from each of them, and then have their blood compared to the evidence that I now had. The man who was charged with strangling Gina back in 1974, Mark Donahue, can't be charged again for the same crime. Still, his blood sample could prove he got away with murder. Detective Klein finds the now 46-year-old living in Ohio. Mr. Donahue, I'm here because we're reopening the case to Gina Marie Justy. Now, you remember Gina Marie, don't you? You gotta be kidding me. Look, I might have done a lot of bad things back then. Killing Gina Justy wasn't one of them. Did you have any connection with her disappearance? It's a lot of talk back then, a lot of speculation, a lot of people bragging, flapping their gums, man. That's all it is, just talk. Doesn't mean nothing. Surprisingly, Mark volunteers to give them a blood sample, but Detective Klein senses that something's wrong. Suffer. Mr. Donahue, Mr. Donahue. Mr. Donahue had a grand mal seizure while we were conducting the interview. So he was uh, pretty nervous about something. Detective Klein collects blood samples from several other former members of the Boot Ranch gang to check the DNA against what they found on Gina's panties. That gave us a lot of hope that, that um, we were finally gonna know what happened to Gina. My personal feeling was that this DNA evidence was going to lead us back to the original suspect. Everything was going to be solved. Well, the DNA reports started to trickle in. What? 
Oh, no, 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 no. It's gotta be a mistake. None of these boys, Lee Diamond, Mark Donahue, none of their DNA matched the partial profile that we had. So they were all eliminated. That was really the, uh, the biggest letdown of all, is that the only suspect that we had in our minds was Donahue, and now he was gone. And so now we were totally in the dark. Several more years go by. Both of Gina Justy's parents pass away, never knowing who killed their daughter. But Tony continues to fight for his sister. Detective Bailey, uh, this is Tony Justy Jr. I was hoping to talk to you about my sister Gina's case. Uh, hopefully there's something new. It's a hard thing to live with. Why can't something happen? Why can't a break come? In 2011, the case is opened yet again by Detective Michael Bailey. By now, DNA technology is much more accurate and entire databases of DNA profiles have been built. The evidence was worked on for a couple of months and I got a call from the lab analyst and he said, you're not gonna believe this. You've got a full profile? Oh, that's incredible. Once you get a DNA profile, it goes into a big database, much like the fingerprints go into. And then the lab comes back with an even bigger surprise. He calls me up and says, um, we got a CODIS hit on Gina Justy's case. I'm like, well, who is it? They came back with a match on a guy by the name of Jerry Fletcher, who I had no knowledge who that person was at all. Turns out Jerry's not going anywhere because he's already in prison serving a 150-year sentence for the rape and murder of another young girl. The next thing I did was I immediately tried to get the phone number to the family to let them know what had happened. Hey, Tony, just wanted to call and let you know that we have some, some pretty good news. Excuse me? Yeah, we've got a pretty good lead in your sister's killer. You sure? Yeah, we've got a, a strong case. <laughs> No, that's, that's amazing news. Thank you. Thank you. It was just like a weight being lifted that we'd carried around for 40 years and finally being able to, to know what happened. Jerry Lee Fletcher already has two charges on his rap sheet that bear an eerie resemblance to the murder of Gina Justy. One was 13-year-old Shirley McCune who was raped and murdered in Sparlin, Illinois, two years after Gina died. The crimes are remarkably similar, but the locations are more than a thousand miles apart. No, I don't get it. Fletcher didn't just travel over a thousand miles so he could land in Illinois. I feel like there's something we're missing. He lived in uh, the Tampa area uh, near uh, Gina Justy at that time. He was transient in his work. He would do repainting of office furniture and heavy equipment, which would send him throughout the whole country that put somebody like him in a target-rich environment. In the spring of 2012, detectives Klein and Bailey fly to Dixon Correctional Center in Northwestern Illinois to meet the convicted killer face to face. It's very surreal. I mean, you shuffle papers a lot of the time and you're sending stuff to the lab and that type of thing, but to actually meet somebody who is just pure evil. Now 70 years old, Fletcher has been in prison for nearly four decades. You're a long way from home up here. 
what he bought. We had spoke to him for probably 20 minutes or so, never disclosing what our purpose was, just trying to get some historical background on him. So you worked as a painter? Cut the BS, detective. What do you want? What do you know about a girl from Tampa named Gina Marie Justy? We found your DNA on her panties. She's 14 years old, Jerry. We're done here. Guard. You raped and killed a 14-year-old girl, Jerry. What do you have to say for yourself? Jerry Fletcher never spilled any details about the despicable acts he did that day. I didn't really expect that he would show any remorse. Uh, my belief is that there's probably other victims out there that he's killed, that, you know, the cases haven't been solved and never will be solved. And people like that don't, don't, don't usually show remorse. But based on Jerry's typical M.O., and the circumstantial evidence they collected. Detectives think they have a pretty good idea of what happened on that hot August day so many years ago. I believe Gina left her house, and I believe Jerry Lee Fletcher saw her, picked her up, then drove her over here to Pinellas County. Hey, darling, where are you headed? Ah, uh, my, my friends. Friends? Where's your friend live? Just down the road. Down the road. You know, I'm headed down the road. You want to ride? Come on, hop in. I'll save you from walking. Hop on in. What's your name? Gina. Gina? I'm Fletcher. Fletcher made a decision on the spot, maybe when he picked her up, that uh, she was never going to get out of that car. You're going to love this place. You're going to love it. Where are we going? It's nice and secluded, where you and me can spend some time together. Misbehaving. Come here! Get over here! Get over here! Get over here! Get over here! I'm telling you, you're lying to Run! No! Get that! Please! Someone help! Please! Run! Someone! He went out to an area where he could drive and not be seen. Uh, I believe that he assaulted her outside the vehicle. Your mommy can't hear you out here. <laughs> and that he killed her to keep from being identified. In the spring of 2013, Jerry Fletcher is extradited from Illinois to face prosecution in Pinellas County. It's the day Tony Justy and his family have been waiting for, for more than 40 years. I don't think any of us were really sure that we wanted to be in the same room with this with this person who had killed our sister. But because my parents couldn't be there, and we felt that, that we had to be there. Jerry Fletcher was charged with first-degree murder, and at his court appearance, he pled guilty to the charge. 
he received a life sentence. Do you want to ask him what happened? But on the other hand, I, I didn't want to know what happened. You know, I don't want to know um, what she was feeling, where she's scared, you know, what she, those last few minutes of her life were like. Police have been unable to link Fletcher to any additional crimes, but they are hopeful advances in DNA will break open other cases. What I would want to ask him is if there were any other families that you can relieve their suffering before you die, if you would give them the sense of justice. After he had been sentenced in this case, we had agreement that he would discuss, you know, other cases. And he says, you can't listen to anything I say. I'm a effing liar and refuse to discuss any more cases that were, that were out there. Jerry Lee Fletcher died behind bars in May 2014. This was an emotional thing for me because all of the work that goes into this, there's always this mention of closure, and I don't think there's ever any closure, but just the reckoning. They were able to know what really happened. We didn't get to see her graduate high school and go on to, to be whatever she wanted to be. I mean, I'm sure that she wanted to be a, a wife and a mom and, and have kids of her own, and she would have been such a great mom. And we miss getting to see that. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.